Welcome to Sunday Schmooze with Rabbi Mendy Kievman from the Chabad House Jewish Community Center on Cedar Street in Milford. Sit back, relax, and enjoy a stimulating discussion of news and humor from a Jewish perspective. Ladies and gentlemen, here's Rabbi Mendy. Good morning, Shavua Tov, Agutavach. Thank you for joining me on our Sunday Schmooze program on this special day. It's the 18th day of Tammuz, the Hebrew month of Tammuz, but it's the fast day known as the fast of the 17th of Tammuz. In Hebrew, it's known as Shiva Asar B'Tamuz, 17th of Tammuz. And every year, the 17th day of Tammuz is a fast day, which commemorates mainly the breaching of the walls of Jerusalem before the destruction of the temple and the thousands of years of Jewish exile. I'll talk about the things that happened in a moment, the things that happened on the 17th of Tammuz and why it's a fast day. But today's not the 17th of Tammuz. As I mentioned, today is the 18th of Tammuz. So why is today the fast day? Do you know that answer? That's right. Today is the fast day because yesterday was Shabbos. And on Shabbos, we don't show any signs of mourning, any signs of sadness. And we almost never fast on Shabbos because Shabbos is a day of eating, drinking, celebrating, connecting, but not a day of fasting. Well, you say, Rabbi, that's not true. We do fast, and that's why I said, usually we never fast on Shabbos. Because there is one time a year that if it lands on Shabbos, if the fast day lands on Shabbos, we do fast. And that is Yom Kippur. If Yom Kippur falls on Shabbos, we do commemorate and do all the things that we are supposed to do on Yom Kippur, including fasting. So why is Yom Kippur 
different from all other fasts? And the answer is because Yom Kippur is not a sad day. Yom Kippur is not a day of mourning. Yom Kippur, in fact, is a joyous day. And if you didn't know that Yom Kippur is a joyous day, it must be because you haven't spent Yom Kippur at Chabad yet. Because if you spent Yom Kippur at Chabad, you would know that Yom Kippur is not a sad day. Indeed, we fast on Yom Kippur, but sadness is never part of Yom Kippur. And we'll talk about that when we get to Yom Kippur. Today, we're commemorating the 17th of Tammuz, and we're doing it today, not yesterday, not on the 17th of Tammuz, because yesterday was Shabbos. And yesterday, at Chabad, it was palpable that it was Shabbos. At the Kiddush yesterday, we celebrated not only do we have delicious Kiddush, thanks to the sponsors, Aaron who sponsored in honor of his family. So it wasn't just a delicious Kiddush. It was obviously L'chaims, various kinds of L'chaims, and of course, much singing, and yes, even dancing. And that was yesterday as we prayed fervently that we wouldn't have to fast today. Because had Mashiach come before today, today would not have been a fast day. It wouldn't be a day of mourning. In fact, all the fast days which we fast, which are typically days of mourning, will be transformed to days of joy and celebration. So, what is this fast day all about? So I mentioned that the walls of Jerusalem were breached on this day, three weeks before the temple was destroyed. Now let's go backwards a little bit. I'll remind you a little bit about the story, which I'm sure you studied in Hebrew school or read about over the years. God promised the land of Israel to the Jewish people. God promised it to Abraham. I, I think I saw a quote from President Biden this week when he was in Israel where he, where he said that God gave the land of Israel to King David and to the Jewish people for all eternity. That is only semi-true. Maybe I'm, I'm misquoting. I, I, I was seeing it on a, on a WhatsApp group. But he may be misquoting because God actually gave it or promised it to Abraham, to Abraham and to his descendants, to the Jewish people, which is a thousand years earlier than King David. But indeed, King David and his son, King Solomon, built the temple on the Temple Mount in Jerusalem. It was ours then, and that Temple Mount is ours today, even though it seems like it isn't, or at least many times it seems like it isn't ours. So, the temples were, were situated first by King David and King Solomon on the Temple Mount, and it was there for 410 years. Then it was destroyed by the Babylonians, and the Jews were taken into exile, and that happened on the 9th of Av, in the year 
423 BCE, before the Common Era. After 70 years of exile, during which the story of Purim took place, the Jews went back to the land of Israel and rebuilt the temple. So they had the second temple there. And this temple lasted for 420 years on the Temple Mount. And then again on the exact same day, on the 9th of Av, 420 years later, or in the year um, 69 of the Common Era, the second temple was destroyed. And since then, we were in exile, a bitter, bitter exile, some 2,000 years of it throughout the world. And while things are somewhat better today's day, it's still exile, it's still not where we belong. And even though we finally have control over the land of Israel, which we haven't had in many, many years, nonetheless, it's still not the way it's supposed to be. It's still not peace, serenity, wholesomeness, and even holy, as it should be. And we await the moment, the coming of Mashiach, when we will have Yerushalayim Habanuya. Not just will we be in Jerusalem as we are today, but a Jerusalem that is rebuilt, built with the temple, a Jerusalem that is filled with peace and serenity for the Jewish people and a world of peace and serenity for all of mankind. So the most important reason that we mourn and commemorate the day of the 17th of Tammuz and this fast day that we are doing today is because of the breach of the walls of Jerusalem, which happened during the second, uh, the destruction of the second temple period. And according to many opinions, it also happened exact same date during the first, before the destruction of the first uh, temple as well. And what did the breach of the walls of Jerusalem mean? It means that it began a period of burning, looting, murder, and mayhem, which culminated with the destruction of the temple on the 9th of Av, three weeks later. So that's the first reason and possibly the main reason why uh, we commemorate and mourn on this day. But other things, other events happened on this exact same day other times of history. For example, you know, we came out of Egypt. 49 days later, 50 days later, we were standing at Mount Sinai and Moshe, Moses went up on the mountain and God communicated the, the Ten Commandments to, to the Jewish people. Then on, That was the sixth day of the Hebrew month of Nisan. Then the next day, on the seventh day of Sivan, he went up again and he told the Jewish people that he'll be back in 40 days. But they miscalculated and they thought the 40th day was the 16th of Tammuz. The Jewish people became antsy and they crafted the famous golden calf, which they worshipped the following day on the 17th of Tammuz. But that was the day when Moshe actually came down from the mountain. And he came down carrying the tablets. And when he saw what the Jewish people were doing, he smashed the tablets to the ground. 
and then began a process of begging God for forgiveness. So on the 17th day of Tammuz, way back then, the tablets were smashed. Now during the course of time, while the uh, while Jerusalem was being surrounded, the city was being surrounded, and they were not allowing people and goods to enter or exit, they did allow one exception. And that was two lambs. And I don't mean the lambs who are going to be hosting the parlor meeting tomorrow night, which we'll talk about later. But two lambs, two sheep, which were brought up into the city every day because that was what they did in Jerusalem in the temple. They used to sacrifice a lamb every day, once in the morning and once in the afternoon. And on the 17th day of Tammuz, they stopped allowing the lambs to enter Jerusalem. And that forced the Kohanim to discontinue the sacrifice of the sheep, which they did every day, because they had no sheeps to do, sheep to do. So that also was a terrible tragedy which befell the Jewish people. There are two other events which took place, it's brought down in the Code of Jewish Law, about a general who burned a Torah scroll as well as put an idol, placed an idol on the altar in the temple. This general's name was Apostomus from the Roman occupation. And as we know, first the altar in the temple was a holy place. And placing an idol on that altar was a desecration of God and godliness. And the Torah scroll, as we know, is the holiest object for the Jewish people. And when a Torah scroll is desecrated, a Torah scroll is burned, whether on purpose or even by mistake in a fire, which recently happened uh, at a Chabad house, a colleague of mine, a friend of mine in Tallahassee, Florida, Rabbi Erichman, his Chabad house uh, caught fire in the middle of the night about two months ago. And along with it, the Torah scrolls were burnt and destroyed. What do you think is done with a Torah scroll that is burnt or destroyed? It is treated like a human. And in fact, is buried just like we bury a human person who passes away. So those things are also really, really tough for the Jewish people. When we hear the desecration of the Torah, we hear about the desecration of the temple, those are reasons to mourn and beg God to turn things around. And that is indeed what this is all about. It's not just to mourn the past. The Rebbe tells us that during these three weeks of mourning, also known as Bain Hametzarim, the Hebrew word of the day brought to you by the Armenians, Bain Hametzarim. Bain means in between. Hametzarim means the straits. This period of time from today until the 9th of Av, or from yesterday and today till the 9th of Av, is, oh by the way, Av is the Hebrew month known as Menachem Av, but Av and Av, you, it's like, what, is, what are you saying, Av, Av? The month 
is the month of Menachem of, or the month of, of, spelled A-V, or in Hebrew spelled Alave. So it's between the straits. These three weeks between the straits, these three weeks of mourning can be just mourning the past, or as the Rebbe teaches us, it should be a time to prepare for the future. A time to prepare for the coming of Mashiach. So much so, that the Rebbe asks that we should study the laws about the rebuilding of the temple. Because this is an extraordinary time of the year when we can actualize the coming of Mashiach and the rebuilding of the temple, of the temple in Jerusalem. So just some interesting factoids about this day. Believe it or not, many holidays can fall out on almost any day of the week. But some holidays could only fall out on certain days. The way the calendar is set up, for instance, Rosh Hashanah, the first day of Rosh Hashanah, could never be a Sunday. Did you know that? Never have the first day of Rosh Hashanah on a Sunday. It could be Shabbos, but not a Sunday. It could never be on a Wednesday, and it could never be on a Friday. The first day of Rosh Hashanah could never be on any of those days. Same for Pesach. Passover, the first day of Passover could never be on a Monday, Wednesday, or a Friday. And because of that, it'll turn out that the 17th of Tammuz is most often on a Sunday. The fast of the 17th of Tammuz is most often on a Sunday, and let me explain why. Because of what I just told you about Pesach, the days when Pesach happens, that means that the 17th of Tammuz can only occur on four days of the week. It can occur on Shabbos, on Sunday, on Tuesday or Thursday. Now, when it falls out on Shabbos like it did this year, what happens? The fast gets delayed to Sunday because we're not allowed to fast on Shabbos. We have to eat on Shabbos. So this means that it turns out because now when it falls out on Shabbos and when it falls out on Sunday, both of them, we end up uh, fasting on Sunday, it turns out that it's about 40% of the time the fast of the 17th of Tammuz is observed on Sunday. Here's another interesting factoid. Not connected to any morning, but nonetheless uh, uh, known as a time these days are known as a time of tragedy for the Jewish people and throughout the world. Remember when way, way back in time Noah God destroyed the world with a flood and Noah was in a uh, in an ark, right? In a boat, an ark. And then, after the year passed and he needed to know if the world was dry, first he sent out a raven. Then, set on, then he sent out a dove. And he sent out the dove on the 17th day of Thomas. The dove went out, flew around, and couldn't find a dry place to land because the world has not dried up yet and came back home. And that was on the 17th of Thomas. Came back to the ark. And seven days later, he sent out the dove a second time. And this time it returned with an olive leaf in its beak. So there you have it. It's all you need to know about this day. Oh, I forgot to tell you. The fast ends tonight at 8.53 p.m. During the day today, we refrain from eating 
um, and drinking. And then for the next three weeks, starting today and going all the way until the ninth day of Menachem Av, the ninth day of Av, which this year is also on Shabbos, the 6th of August, which gets commemorated on the 7th of August, is a time of national mourning for these tragic events that took place. And many others we'll talk about in the next three weeks. We don't hold weddings. We don't cut our hair. And then this sadness intensifies in the last nine days. Last nine days begins on Rosh Chodesh, on the, this year on the 29th of July, the uh, mourning is intensified. But most importantly, as I mentioned earlier, this is a time to do acts, add an acts of goodness and kindness to each other, because one of the main reasons why our temples were destroyed was as a punishment for us not being there for each other. For what's known as Sinas Chinam. I think the best way to translate that would be wanton um, hatred. People had hatred for each other for no reason. I mean, truth be told, there's never really a good reason to have hatred for each other. But at least if you had hatred for somebody for a reason, but then there were just people who just, oh, this one looked at me the wrong way, this one didn't do this for me, this one... Uh, people were just looking, looking for reasons not to be there for one another. And as we know, avas chinam, free love. I don't mean literally free love, but love for no reason. No gain, just love for each other is what's going to bring about the redemption and the coming of Mashiach and the rebuilding of the temple. So we have to add an act of goodness and kindness during this time. Add in our study of Torah, which talks about the rebuilding of the temple and looking for ways to bring about the coming of Mashiach. So in, in that sense, enjoy the song Ani Mamin. Ani Mamin means I believe. Maimonides put together 13 pillars of faith, 13 things that as a Jew we believe in. And one of, one of them and one of the main ones is Ani Mamin Be'emunah Shlema. I believe with complete faith. The V.S. HaMashiach, with the coming, for the coming of Mashiach. And every day, Achakalo, I wait and do everything I can every single day to make that happen. Ani Mamin with Benny. Ani Mamin. Yemuno shilemo Befia samo Via <laughs> anima.
Mark Cohen was known as a guy who never paid his bills. Recently, his friend saw that he was bargaining with one of his suppliers, trying to get a lower price for the goods he was going to purchase, but probably never pay for. So his friend Goldberg says, hey, Cohen, why are you trying to knock the guy down with his prices? Well, you know, you're not going to pay him anyway. Why are you sitting there and arguing with him about how much the cost of the item is if you're not going to pay him anyway? So Cohen says, listen, this guy's a really nice guy. I like him. So I want to make sure to keep his losses down. Bada-boom. While we're not going to do the blessing on the drink today, we are going to say the Shema. And we have Chani, my daughter Chani here in the studio. So Chani, why is it that we're not going to say a blessing on the drink today? Because today is a fast day, and on fast days you're not allowed to drink or say a bracha. Or eat. Or eat right. food. Or eat food. That's very, that's very, very right. Very true. Thank you very much, Khani. Now, is that true also for children? Do children have to also fast today? Um, only, no. Only if they're... If they're... Adults? Adults. Only adults have to fast today. That's right. Yeah. So children get to eat today, but, but children don't eat nash today, right? No. They don't eat nash. While they don't fast, children do take part in a, some slight way by avoiding eating things that are extra, that they don't really need to sustain. So, yeah. so we're not going to make the bracha, but we are going to say Shema. So please, guys, put a yarmulke on your head. 
And everybody, please take your right hand, cover your eyes, and let's say it together. Shema Yisrael Adonai Aleheinu Adonai Echad Baruch Shem Kevayd Malchusai Le'aylam Va'ed That's right. Beautiful. Thank you very much, Chani. Let's find some coins. Because we know charity says, Gedola Tzedakah Great is charity, shemikareves esagaula, that it brings the redemption closer. So obviously, we should and make sure to give extra charity during this time. In fact, in the three weeks, the three Shabbases that commemorate the three weeks of uh, the mourning period, we read a special Haftorahs. You know, the Haftorah in... in, in uh, speaks about the time of year that we're in, and the Torah speaks about the destruction of the temple. The, the, uh, at that time, it was a prophecy about the upcoming destruction of the temple, but also tells us about how to rebuild it. And it says, Zion, the land of Israel, Jerusalem, will be redeemed with the study of Torah and with the giving of tzedakah. I want to tell you a story. Once upon a time, a huge wave crashed on a beach and washed away a pelican's nest. The pelican obviously became very, very angry. How dare the water wash away its nest? And the pelican decided and he swore that he was going to avenge his honor. He schemed and finally came up with a plan. Pelican has an oversized beak and he used his oversized beak, he said. He would empty the ocean of all its water. And when you'd ask him, how is he going to do that? He said, easy. I'll do one mouthful at a time. I'll pick up some water in my mouth and drop it on the beach and keep doing that till I empty the ocean. It didn't take long for the silly bird to realize the futility of his actions. Every time he spilled out a mouthful of water onto the beach, another wave came and dragged it back out to sea. So eventually he gave up. So what did he do? He gave up. He gave up. He converted to uh, Tukanism. Right? And he invented, instead, he invented the Fruit Loops. There you have it. That's the story behind the story. Yesterday, in Shul, we read the Torah portion known as Balak. In the Torah portion, we're told that Bilam, who was an angry prophet, a prophet for prophet, he had two things in common with Balak. He hated the Jewish people and he loved money. The only difference was he hated the Jewish people more than anybody else did. So he, he, he tries, he attempts to curse the Jewish people because it was his way of blocking them from reaching the land of Israel. He tries once, he tries a second time, and then again a third time, but each time as the curses roll off his tongue, 
instead of curses, God transforms them into world-class blessings. Blessings that are part of our davening. Blessings, in fact, despite his many attempts to short-circuit the system and work around God's protective shield, he fails time and again. And in fact, is the one who originally promises us and reminds us that indeed we will have the coming of Mashiach. That first prophecy, which was supposed to be a curse, turned out to be the news that Mashiach will come and bring peace and tranquility to the Jewish people and to the entire world. So when he finally realizes that it was all futile and begrudgingly, begrudgingly, he gives up. Now, along with his, pray, his, his curses, so to speak, we have the famous part of our service known as Matovu Oholecha Yaakov Mishkin Asecha Yisrael. It's right in the beginning of the service. But one of the interesting things he says is that the Jewish people are going to stand alone. Now, it's something that resonates with me because it really turned into a most amazing blessing. The words he uses is, Israel is a nation that dwells alone and is not counted among the nations. So let me share with you why I think these words are so profound. What does it mean a nation that dwells alone. Now, you know, take countries like India and China who have a combined population of 3 billion people probably. So that's about 40% of the world's population. Israel, the Jewish people, we have, we're, we're made up of 16 million people. In Israel, we probably have about 7 or 7.5 million Jews, which means that we're about... 0.002% of the entire human population. Yet, who is on the front pages of the world's newspapers when the president is going to visit the, uh, the Middle East? It's Israel. Who's always center stage at the crossroads of history? Israel and the Jewish people. From the New York Times to the Babylonian post, the world simply can't seem to get enough of us. So why all the attention? Why can't we just be like everyone else? And that's because we're a nation that lives alone. We're destined for a unique and different mission. And that mission was endowed to us by God with a very important divine purpose. See, the world, sometimes for good, but oftentimes for bad, inherently understands this uniqueness of the Jewish people. You know, they say, how many countries are there in the world? You might, if you know this stuff, you might say that there's 193 countries in the UN, as part of the UN. But the truth is, there's really 192 countries. And then, there's Israel. Do you know that in the past decade alone, 
80% of all UN resolutions criticizing any country, and, and we're talking about countries, there's Russia, there's, there's uh, China, there's North Korea, Cuba, Venezuela, um, Saudi Arabia, all these countries that exist that are the worst, have the worst records of abuse. But 80% of all UN resolutions criticizing a country were directed against Israel. What is Israel? Beyond the tangibles of the Holy Land, what is it? What's in the air that gives you goosebumps when you're flying and you're landing in Israel? What's special about Israel is that God breathed His deepest feelings into one land alone. This one land is the land of Israel. And you know what else? Believe it or not, our sages tell us the same deep feelings God breathed into one day of the week. And that's Shabbos. And one nation. And that's the Jewish people. And finally, God breathed His deepest feelings into one book alone. And that's the Torah. This invisible force pulling us towards Israel also pulls us towards the other three as well. Towards Shabbos, towards each other, and towards the Torah. And just like every inch of Israel is holy, from Tel Aviv to Tzfat to Jerusalem to Herzliya to Tiberias, every part of Israel is holy, and every moment of Shabbos is holy, and every word in Torah is precious, and each and every one of us is indispensable. Just like we make pilgrimages, and we will be doing that this year, this coming year, to Israel, we need to make pilgrimages to Shabbos and to Torah. Our thoughts, our feelings, our habits should be all around Shabbos, Torah, the Jewish people, and Israel. And like Israel, Shabbos and Torah are the birthright of every single Jew. And just as Israel draws us helplessly to her airspace to breathe in the holy air of Israel, so does Shabbos, so does Torah, and so do we all pull one another to each other. There's no point in resisting it. It's like a magnet. The law of attraction is as natural and as unstoppable as the law of gravity itself. It's literally as powerful as the gravitational pull of the moon on the ocean. And the ocean is the one whose waters will never run out and never dry up. For much of our history, we have been in a state of exile. Almost 2,000 years. Exile from our homeland, and we've, sub we've been subjected to every foreign culture. At times, we may be tempted to shirk our unique responsibilities, to hide who we are, to blend in to the woodwork, assimilate, and become invisible. And here lies the secret of this existential blessing of transcendence. We are a nation that dwells alone. 
our Jewish identity, our spirit, our soul, inexplicably remains unique and special. So yes, Bilam, you can eat your heart out. You'll never dry up this ocean of the Jewish identity, spirit, and soul because I'm Yisrael Chai. My friends, in times like these, it's hard to see past the insanity in a reality so uncertain and unknown. Life as we knew it forever changed, and there's no peace of mind to be found. Who can even make sense of tomorrow? When our dreams keep crashing to the ground And yet, as we rise to greet another day And the sun is still bright in the sky Always a reason to hope for better times Though it seems like the answer's worlds away Got enough, just enough to keep us going, holding on to unbroken simple faith. Cause the heat never breaks, and the heat never bends, and the heat never gives up in the night. A heat perseveres through the deepest despairs, his emuna strengthens him for the fight, and the heat understands that I share. The world went dark, the crowds dispersed On the streets that were once filled with life But a brilliant light emerged from deep inside our hearts The shuls were shuttered and still But our prayers rang through our homes Instead of looking out for inspiration we dug deep and found strengths we'd never know And one more time We will rise to greet another day We're every moment more precious than ever And life's sweetest little joys, they are the treasure Cause when it feels like the answer's worlds away More than enough to keep us going 
We're holding on to unbroken simple faith. Cause the heat never breaks and the heat never bends and the heat never gives up in the night. A heat perseveres through the deepest despairs. His emuna strengthens him for the fight and the heat understands that Hashem has a plan and that's all it takes to Indeed, a Yid never breaks, a Jew never breaks. We're here to stay no matter what we're going through. We may be mourning today. We may be fasting for the destruction of the temple and the exile of the Jewish people and the persecution that we've gone through all these years, but we're still here. We ain't going nowhere. We're still here, and very, very soon, we'll be back to our complete glory. You know, the internet is filled with these silly quizzes that can help you answer, answer the crucial questions in life. Questions such as, which wine matches your personality? Are you an introvert or an, an extrovert? And of course, the very important question you constantly see on, up on Facebook, which animal are you? We all know those games are pretty meaningless, but once in a while you get, uh, you, you, what is it called, clickbait. And you click on those links. So the last time I checked, um, I shouldn't really tell you this, but the last time I checked, I was a beer. But the time before that, I was a fish. Now the first time around, believe it or not, I was a lamb. So don't tell this to Marty and Perry, but I was a lamb. So it could be that I'm going through an identity crisis. So instead of playing these silly games, I should have just studied the parsha we read yesterday, because the Torah tells us in unambiguous terms which animal we truly are similar to. The Torah tells us that the Jewish people crouches and lies like a lion and like a lioness. This is one of the quotes from the prophecy of Bilam when he tried to curse the Jewish people. So this is it. The Jewish people you don't have to check your, uh, these, these quizzes online. We are like the mighty lions and lionesses. Except, as Rachi pointed out when she spoke on Friday night at dinner, at the Shabbos dinner, she said, why are we crouching? What's going on? And Rachi gave a beautiful explanation as to why this blessing is that we're crouching. See, Bilam was foreseeing the time of exile 
when Jews would be attacked and persecuted. Yet despite all of our challenges, will still be compared to what? To a sleeping lion. A sleeping lion is still a lion. A sleeping lion is never controlled by any other animal. As we know, lions have very few predators to fear. And although it's crouching, the lion's strength has not been minimized or diminished at all. During the many years of exile, the Jewish lion has been subjected to many oppressors. Yet it's only our bodies that can be controlled by others. Our source of inner strength, our souls, can never be controlled by any outside forces. It always remains intact and it always remains as powerful as ever. So don't let the internet fool you. And don't let your mirror fool you either. Even at times of weakness, when you look at the mirror and see a meek lamb, remember that deep inside that lamb that you're looking at, is, is, there is a lion, a powerful soul that is always connected to God and can achieve anything. All you need to do is wake it up. And that's what the meaning of Am Yisrael Chai. We are all a lion. A sleeping lion, but one that will roar to life at any given moment. As we're getting close to the end of the show today, I want to remind you something very, very important. You heard about the very famous trip that we're going to be leading together with JLI, a journey, an experience to the land of Israel in March of 2023. And many of you have asked, well, we have questions. What's the trip going to be like? What's the cost? How do we get there? And millions of other questions that I've flown my way over the last few weeks since we announced that we're going to be doing this trip. And while it's a little while away till the trip, believe it or not, the trip is filling up and will be filled way, months way in advance of the trip, the date in March. So if this is the time to find out all about the trip and decide if this is an experience, a lifetime experience that you would like to be part of. If that's the case, I invite you to join us to one of two parlor meetings that will be taking place in the next week and a half. You know, we talk a lot about Israel today, the destruction of the temple, the exile of the Jewish people, destruction of Jerusalem. And we talk about how we're going to, what we're going to do to help rebuild it. But we also need to talk about the visits to Israel, the things that pull us there. And you can join us free of charge to one of these two parlor meetings. The first one's going to take place tomorrow night, July 18th at 6.30 p.m. And we were talking about the lambs, right? Two lambs every day. And you might feel like a lamb, but you can actually join us in the home of the lambs in Holliston tomorrow evening. Or if you can't make it tomorrow, or if you don't live that close to Holliston, you can join us next week on the 27th on Wednesday, <coughs> excuse me, at the home of the Gilmeisters in Rentham. We'll have delicious kosher falafel, pita, salads, and desserts. It's all free of charge, but you got to reserve 
The information is on our website. It was actually in the email I sent out yesterday, and I'm going to send out another email later today with the way uh, the email address is how to reserve for either one of those nights. We'll have an informational package to give you a beautiful, full-color informational package on the itinerary highlights, as well as other information you might need if you'd like to join us. There's no commitment necessary before you join us for this evening. If you just want to hear about the trip and make no commitments, that's perfectly fine. We're not looking to raise any money or get people to sign up. We just want to give you the information about this journey, this experience, so you can take part in it. Again, tomorrow evening in Holliston and then July 27th in Rentham. Look out for my email later today with instructions of how to reserve for this luxurious, unforgettable trip that begins on March 13th, 2023. I also want to tell you, if you haven't yet, now's your chance to unlock your heritage for your children. Enroll your children to the most amazing Hebrew school that exists. It's better than any Hebrew school we've gone to and any Hebrew school you may know about. Every class is an experience your kids won't want to miss. We just posted a beautiful video on our Chabad Facebook page. Go to, go to facebook.com forward slash mychabad, M-Y-C-H-A-B-A-D, facebook.com forward slash mychabad, and you can watch the video about this amazing uh, Hebrew school that you don't want to miss. Ladies and gentlemen, the time is getting late, and I want to wish you the best of all in an easy fast today. And remember, your next deed will really, really change the world. So make it a good one. L'chaim and Mashiach now. You've been listening to Sunday Schmooze with Rabbi Mendy Kievman from the Chabad House Jewish Community Center on Cedar Street in Milford. For more information on the Chabad House, including upcoming events, adult programs, Hebrew school, and more, visit gotchabad.com. That's G-O-T-C-H-A-B-A-D.com. Shalom.